0: Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson shares from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1-7, through 7, the twelfth part of the series, The Household of God. Now, here's Phil. Happy New Year to you, for those who we haven't been able to express that uh, to. We're starting off and and, and continuing in our series on the household of God. This particular book before us, the book of 2 Timothy, is somewhat unique in the series. It's not quite a letter to the churches, although it is a letter to to us this morning. But it comes via the Apostle Paul writing his farewell comments to his dear son in the faith, uh, Timothy. It's our earnest prayer that as we work through the, the uh, letter that Paul writes to Timothy and, and left for us by God, that God himself would draw us closer to himself and, and enable us to know him and to serve him better. Everyone writes a story that has a beginning and an end for this life. Saul started off in Tarsus, born as an Israelite, in about 5 A.D. He was brought to Jerusalem, and there he studied under Gamaliel, who was a Pharisee, an expert in the law, and a member of the governing council in Jerusalem. At the time of Christ, being taught by a rabbi was different than we would automatically understand. It was more than a student sitting in a synagogue or in a temple learning from a lecture uh, what was being taught. Uh, To be under a rabbi meant that you followed him and that you followed his character trying to learn what he was like. You also followed him to learn how he carried out the principles of the covenant and the law and how he uh, followed God's ways. It's likely that That Saul started as a a disciple under a rabbi, and then he moved, as we understand, to the city of Jerusalem to study under an expert in the law, Gamaliel, who we see several times in Scripture. Uh, Under Gamaliel, Saul was thoroughly trained in Jewish laws, and he became a zealous contender for the Christian faith. After participating in persecution of the followers of Christ, including the death of Stephen early in the book of Acts, and pursuing uh, Christians as far away as Damascus, uh, he was a a devoted uh, persecutor of those who would oppose a religion for God the way he understood it. Saul's story continues but changes suddenly when God himself, Uh, the Lord met him on the road to Damascus. It was his intervention moment. He was introduced to his new rabbi, the Lord and Savior of the world. And he instantaneously, it seems, realized his mistake and turned and followed Jesus as a devoted uh, disciple and apostle. To summarize the story of, uh, of, of Paul along the way, uh, it, it's, it's his story that is highlighted throughout the book of Acts, and it's also threaded through the letters that he wrote, some 13 of them that made their way into the word of God as we hold in our hands today. Uh, he accepted the Lord's intervention when he was about 27 years old. And then the next 29 years, he was a devoted and passionate giant among the the apostles. The enlargement of the Christian faith across the Roman Empire was a demonstration of the work of God to further uh, his church. And uh, and the Apostle Paul uh, was one of his main giants uh, doing that work, particularly among the Gentiles. He was... uh, as, as, as it was saying, a, a real giant, he responded to his calling in Antioch. He preached to thousands of people across uh, Eurasia, as it was known at the time. Uh, he traveled for, for four missionary journeys, at least. He started assisting in innumerable churches and helping them along the way. He wrote 13 books of the word of God, and he influenced so many uh, Christian leaders. I just wanted to thread as well the story of Timothy. Uh, we learn a little bit about his story in the book of Acts. And we also learn about him through the writings of Paul uh, along his way. Just to highlight his life briefly, he became a disciple of God through his upbringing in Judaism. He had an appreciation of the Gentile world through his father, who was a Greek. Uh, he became a Christian, it seems, as we understand it, through the Apostle Paul. And he became Paul's son in the faith. And as we see him described by Paul through the letters, he became a co-preacher, a co-teacher, uh, along with Paul through Berea, Macedonia, Ephesus, Corinth, Thessalonica, and other cities uh, through his time with Paul. And he was assigned very difficult churches, tasked there, tasked there by the Apostle Paul to uh, do something to help them along in their walk as a church. Notably, the tough ones probably were Ephesus and Corinth. He's mentioned as a co-sender with Paul, probably a, or a helper through uh, of many of his books, Second Corinthians he's mentioned, Philippians and others. And he, too, was persecuted for his faith. In fact, we learn later later in Hebrews that he was in jail, imprisoned for his work of the gospel. We don't know the circumstances around that, or at least I don't. So along the way with Timothy, there's his story. uh, Just a little bit of it, and we'll look at more details as we go. I've entitled this slide, Finishing Well. Uh, we, we look, we're looking at two spiritual giants who will be in our midst for the next couple of weeks at BFA uh, to learn from them. Second Timothy overall is a book about Paul's finishing of his work on the earth. Uh, he he finished well, I think we'll learn. David Hooke gave a talk not too long ago in 1st Timothy chapter 5 and gave some examples of Christian leaders who did not finish well. The book before us gives insights into how Paul finished well. And the challenge before us as we read this book together is how well are we prepared to finish well for God. So we're looking at the end time of our life and saying, When we're in our rocking chairs, some of us are there now. uh, uh, How are we prepared for that phase of our lives? That it may not be just old age, it might be other circumstances. And how well prepared are we from those through the eyes of Paul writing to Timothy? Paul is writing from his third imprisonment. If you trace those through the scriptures, you'll see that Paul was in prison in Caesarea. He was in prison In Rome. Under a home arrest. But this third imprisonment. If I counted them properly. He's in the Mamertine prison in Rome. And there he's chained as a criminal. We see that coming through the scripture. In 2nd Timothy. uh, Which was a holding underground cell. For those who were awaiting judgment. Not a house arrest where he could have visitors. Coming in and backwards and forwards. This time uh facing judgment and probably death as he as he knew what was coming. The apostle must have been wondering, why me, Lord? At least maybe the way he would look at it. He would be thinking I'm in prison again. Here I am again, I can't be out doing the work God has called me to do. Where is God in this situation? What am I doing here? If we were in his position, how would we look at this situation? Some of us may look at it this way. We try and devise some clever strategies to get out. We might be depressed. We might be in despair. We might be in anger and rage at the authorities. A second kind of frame of mind might have been, and these perhaps both coexisted at different times. It would have been for us. How do I get through this? How can I make the most of influencing those who will treat me well while I'm here? Maybe I'll write a ministry letter and I'll include in that letter a few lawyers uh, with Roman background to help me get out of here. How can I build fences around myself to keep me from the negative attitudes of those who are looking after me? What we have before us is not a letter of any of this. It's a letter of the Apostle writing to his dear son in the faith. And he is looking at Timothy, and he could have written to others, and he maybe did look at others as well, but he was looking after the succession of the Gospel as best he could by writing Timothy this letter. He wanted to see the Gospel of Christ, not bound by his being bound, but he wanted to see the power of God at work in spite of his situation. So again application questions for us. The the insight through this book should challenge us all with the application question, how are we preparing to finish well for our Lord and Savior? Just listen to Paul later in the book. He says for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The second application question we could ask is, how does God himself arrange for the perpetuation on earth of his vision for his people in fellowship with him in their local church? And that's what is before us as we seek to hear the message from the Lord written through Timothy uh, to us. I sincerely pray that as we work through this letter, of which this morning is only an introduction, it will, be, it will be read as to you and me and that we will find what kept Paul to finish well and what our role is for carrying on uh, the work of God in our midst. I won't reread uh, what David has already read. I'll just start off In verse one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in uh, Christ Jesus. One of the ways of looking at a book, uh, and we'll just do a few uh, slides of introduction to the book. When you read the book, I'd like you just to highlight the words that are used and how they're repeated uh, to kind of start to study it, to gain a sense of what the. Uh, Of What the book is all about. I I did that study. And and, uh, the first word that comes up is the word faith. And it's mentioned eight times. Pardon my counting. Perhaps it's not exactly correct, but eight times in the book. The other uh, big one is love, which is mentioned eight times faith and love mentioned frequently is the word truth six times. And it was a big matter for Paul because he was speaking to people who did not have the truth. And, did, and if they did, what bits they had, they did not understand. The word ashamed comes up many times. And that was one of, you can see it and feel it, that Timothy was afraid to stand up to the people on behalf of his faith. And that resounds in our hearts, too, as we know our own ways of being timid, of being Not relying on the power of the Spirit of God to help us in the situations where where we face that we can live up to what our calling is. Uh, Peace is mentioned, sun is mentioned, and so on. So many, many uh, key words that uh, uh, talk about his, uh, his themes in the book. One of the other things I like to do when I uh, do an introduction study to a book and study on my own is to look at the men- mentions of God himself, whether it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and just note them uh, in, in, the, in my readings to see what God has in mind in this book as one way of getting at it, at least. I'd just like to highlight a few of these in, in the book, and this slide will be in the Uh, on the on the tape, as I call it, just highlight a few of them saved to a holy life, not by our works, but because of grace designed before time began. I'm leaving these for the speakers who are going to come after this to explain all of these. But Jesus appeared to all to convey that grace. He destroyed death. He brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Living in the faith and love of Jesus is the way to keep the pattern of sound teaching. Be strong in the grace of Jesus. Endure together like a good soldier of Christ. I love this particular short phrase, remember Jesus. And that particular passage, I wish I was speaking on it, but I hope we all really enjoy what's said around that topic. Endure everything for the sake of bringing others to obtain and to keep eternal glory, to eternal glory. Don't be ashamed to testify about Jesus. Refreshed in the Lord through the visits of Christians. The Lord gives insight into how focused we are to be in our service of him. The Lord knows those who are his. Flee evil desires, pursue the Lord and do it along with others. Live as the Lord's servant always live in righteousness in light of his appearing to come. Now, as you read the book, you'll see that those are my summaries of those thoughts, but uh, all centered around the person of the Lord and his place uh, in Paul's writing. Not to usurp anything from future speakers, but I did do an outline to help us just frame what the, the book looks like. I've I've entitled it Passing the Torch, and we'll come back to that in a moment, but we're familiar with this, or some of the athletes among us will know what this is about. Remember relay races. Anybody remember them? What happens? You're first. You run the laps. What do you do next? Pass the torch. And then you're done. You're finished. Something like that. Passing the torch of the gospel of Christ to those who follow along. By chapters, I just looked at the key thought that I could pick out, the perspective from a time point of view, and that's always so important in Scripture to understand the timing of what's being said. And you, has he quickened and made alive, past tense, build on those foundations of what he has done for us in the past, that kind of thing. The key thought uh, throughout the chapter, the perspectives in the time frame, And then a key verse just to, and you may pick your own as you study them apart from the ones that I've chosen. The key thought of chapter one is guard God's gifts. Chapter two to Timothy, persevere through whatever comes. Chapter three, continue in truth and godly living. Chapter four, fight the good fight. The perspective, chapter one, is about Timothy's heritage from the past. In chapter 2, he is exhorted to be devoted in the present circumstances. Chapter 3, prepare ourselves for the future. And chapter 4 has a lot of detail about Paul's situation, but with it comes an eternal focus about the the promise of life that he started with at the beginning of the chapter and looks at the promise of life that he was facing personally and firsthand as he was facing his own death. The key verse, uh, chapter 1, I, I took as verse 14. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. And we'll look at that a little bit more in a moment. Verse 15 for chapter 2. Do your best to present yourself to God as approved. A workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. In Sunday school, you learn John 3:16. By coincidence, in quotes. This is Second Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then, sadly, in in a way, chapter 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. May we prepare ourselves for that in our own in our own lives. I was also assigned uh, the first seven verses, which we've already read together. The uh, passing the torch. Paul was in a mentoring relationship with uh, Timothy for a long period of time. Uh, This didn't just start as an this letter didn't just start as an afterthought by Paul thinking, "Okay, who all did I know who will do the most influencing and so on? It was just a continuation of his mentoring relationship, that he is the apostle of God sent by Christ to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And and uh, how he was to work. I'm losing my sentence here, but how he was to work uh, all this time with with Timothy to Timothy, my dear son grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He selected Timothy out of his apostleship to his dear son in the faith and was trying to continue this relationship of helping him along in his faith to carry on the work of Christ. Our tale, our story, we are writing. One of the questions I was thinking about was, How have I been mentored along my spiritual walk so far? A little bit selfishly, I know. And the question for us, each one, is who has mentored us and helped us along the way? In the way that Paul, as a big brother, as an apostle to son, as one who was working and needing help in that work, how he uh, worked with the uh, apostle Paul together, uh, the apostle to a trusted son in Christ. How are we writing our stories along the way? In verses three and four, I've entitled those prayerful initiation. I love the way Paul often starts his letters. It's in prayer. And he expresses that prayer in such a way to introduce him and and bring and draw the Timothy into that prayer and into the things that he is about to say. Paul started by saying, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did. Remember, he was brought up in a Jewish home and he uh, became very passionate about a relationship with God. And even then, he thought he was living with a clear conscience. But then God, Jesus intervened and he had a new framework for that conscience given to him to to follow. And he says, as night and day, I constantly remember you. So as we look around at our relationships, our friends, our people and our families, we need to, like Paul, start with prayer. And when we pray, God will present to us the opportunities to help one another along in our most holy faith. And we do that constantly, not just on prayer meeting night or uh, some particular time, but it's a continuous praying for our relationships with those that are helping us to grow in, in our faith. Recalling your tears, I long to see you. Here's the personal part of the story. It's kind of unique uh, in a way in, in other, other church letters he's written. It's a personal uh, letter and we get to see from it from uh, their relationship point of view. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Mature service for our Lord is to be characterized, first of all, by a clear conscience. Our relationship with others are to be bathed in prayer. And relationships that are so precious to us that we long to be together. And the result of those Christian maturities that are evident in in this verse result in a life filled with the joy of Christ. A joyful existence because we are serving him with a clear conscience and wholeheartedly uh, in prayer. The next uh, verse is verse five. Uh, I have reminded you of your sincere faith, which first loved in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And note, the Greek father was not listed here. I am persuaded now lives in you also. Family spiritual mentoring. As we look back in our uh, family life, is our home characterized by the presence of Christ and fully demonstrating our commitment and relationship to him? Is it carry the aroma of the Lord? Spiritual groundedness in our, in our family life, but not only there, in our personal life, and in every relationship, we are called to uh, gain from the faith of others and watch them. Grandmother, mother, and now the apostle Paul helping him along the way. I am persuaded this sincere faith lives in you also. There's almost a hesitancy to it, isn't? He's worked with him for I don't remember, remember the math exactly, but cl- approaching 20 years, and he's still a little bit hesitant in. What he's writing in the way he says it, I am persuaded now lives in you also. It's almost Timothy is sliding back a little bit, perhaps not being as forceful as he should, perhaps a little timid and so on. I am persuaded now lives in you also. So what does Paul do about this? He he, uh, says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. Well, that's a metaphor. And the thing that it brings to my mind as a bit of an illustration is when I first started burning wood in our house, inside a stove, by the way, uh, I bought a set of bellows. And that wasn't me bellowing and blowing into the fire. That was a device that you squeezed and the air went into the fire to help it light. Anybody remember those? I have a new one for you. It's called a propane torch. (laughs) And it not just, doesn't just blow, it blows with heat that helps it along. So I need very little kindling. Anyway, where am I going with that? No metaphor does justice to this metaphor be, that it is represented. I'm reminding you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. How do we ever get our minds around God indwelling us? I remember... Uh, One of my friends from work sent his son to hockey camp. And I asked him about it after the hockey camp. And he said to me, Phil, what's that craziness about God indwelling? That wasn't his word. God living in us. I tried to explain it to not much avail, I think. But what a mystery that is. And yet what a privilege. God is inside of us. Don't think about that as trying to figure out the metaphysics of it all and how he inhabits our brain. But think about it in terms of he is present with us. Right with us, personally. Each and every day. And I... There are some metaphysics to it, but we we won't go into that this morning. What is the gift of God that he's asking be fanned? Well, we don't have the real details, so just... Watch my words carefully to make sure they're correct. But he, the gift of God in the next verse seems to be the Holy Spirit. uh, Paul was present at his conversion. And I think there was the laying of on of his hands as he grabbed this younger man and helped him in his conversion. And the Holy Spirit of God came in in his saving faith and dwelt him from that point forward. There's another thing mentioned in the book of Acts about his the body of elders commissioned Paul. Sometimes that's one event like it was for Paul. In a way, He went on the road to Damascus, God zapped him and uh, saved him and called him. His calling evolved, not evolved, but it developed over time under the Lord. Uh, and the Holy Spirit became more and more evident and uh, more able to do uh, work in his life. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul here. Uh, the fanning into flame, the Holy Spirit within, is our role in it. Think of the negative side of that. The scriptures say, do not be quenched. Uh, do not quench, sorry. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not constrain the Holy Spirit. Don't live in such a way that you put on him boundaries by which he, he won't uh, pass through and do his work. We are the one who builds those fences in in whatever sin and whatever attitudes and whatever uh, constraints we have in our lives to constrain God from working. Our role is to breathe into our lives a humble relationship before God to do his work and don't. And we are not to quench him, but to fan into flame. Now, flame has two aspects to it. Back to the metaphor. What are they? Light and energy. And I think those two are present here uh, in the next verse. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. We've seen a bit of that already. But a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. When Paul met Timothy, he found him as a disciple. His mother was Jewish, a believer. His father, a Greek. We've covered that. We don't know... the Point of his conversion, but it it appears that it was the result of a series of spiritual steps. First one in his family, women of faith, then the apostle Paul, then the body of elders, and then his work along the way uh, with the apostle, with the apostle Paul. Passing the torch uh, comes with God, it is about God's equipping of the next phase. When God saves us, he equips us. Part of that gift of the Holy Spirit is not just his presence for personal reasons for our self-development. But when the Lord inhabits our lives through the person of the Spirit of God, he has also, past tense, equipped us with spiritual gifts. And along with those spiritual gifts come his calling. So, knowing our spiritual gifts helps us frame Uh, our the ways in which we can uh, fulfill the calling that he brings to us if you're gifted and we don't have time to do this justice but if you're gifted as a teacher then teach if you're gifted as a helper then help and and so on the list of spiritual gifts the various facets of the working of the spirit is there if he has given these to you personally Use them for the building up of the body of Christ and for the evangelism, the furtherance of the gospel in the world and doing his work there. I'll just close with a a slide that tries to sum this up. And the application question we raised at the beginning is not just for this morning, but throughout this series. How do we plan on finishing well? We're partway through our stories. Some of our stories may end this afternoon. We may have 20 or 30 years or 50 or 60 years before our finish line is met. How are we living and how are we preparing for, uh, for finishing well? The things that I'd highlight are, are these. Remember our foundation of salvation. Some of it it was in a Christian home. Some of us was... Due to the uh, witnessing by someone else to us, maybe some of it, it was just our individual finding of God by seeking him and being found by him. Remember your foundation of salvation and mine, how you started on this journey. Next is to treasure the calling and the gifts of God. We've just covered that. The third one we see throughout the book is abiding in him as we serve with others. We don't serve as islands. We don't serve as just as individuals. We serve as a part of the body of Christ. And we all serve in a, in a magnificent unfolding of the Spirit of God, working through each of us individually and together. And we are to abide in him as we serve. And a big part of the book as well is persevere through trials as we share Christ's truth, love, and grace. And we saw that in the opening of the of the persecution that sometimes comes people's way, not because of their sin, but because of their service of the Lord. Uh, We may suffer because of our own creation. It's not so much what's in view here, although it's a part of it. God is with us through our weaknesses. But he is particularly here focused on persevering through the trials of false teachers, of persecution, imprisonment, uh, and so on persevere through these trials relying on his grace and his love and his strengthening and empowerment uh, through the to uh, get through them uh, for his purposes even in the most difficult times as paul was facing as he writes this letter and then the the future is highlighted as the theme of the book starts and ends with it he starts with the promise of life And he ends with the focus on the future that is to come. That's the unique gift we have of the Christian faith. We have many unique things. But one of them is the hope of eternity. That this life is not all there is. That there is a life after this life that is found in its fullness by trusting Christ for now and for eternity. Focus on on eternity lived uh, with God. May we learn together all the details of these words from Paul to Timothy as we study them together. As being from from Paul to Timothy. But we need to see them as God speaking to us. Because he is. Let's pray as the music group comes forward. Dear God, we just humble ourselves to you afresh. We think of this coming year that we would when we look back on it, have twenty-twenty vision that you were working in our lives and we were stirring up our part by committing ourselves to live for you. We just pray that you would uh, continue your work as we submit to you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information we'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church until next time